Thank you for listening and welcome to the Life Radio Show, a proud member of the SJ Network and the JZO Modcast Podcast Network. I'm your host, Don Smith. Pushing on through the quarantine, we go Skype and talk with actor Dale Niehaus about starting out on the stage and screen. If you enjoy the show, like and follow The Life 1069 on Facebook and Don Smith Comedy on Twitter, or tune in live on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM, or you can stream the show live at WWSU1069.org. Overwhelms me. A brutal presence. All right, hey, welcome to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host Don Smith. We are uh, we are still on COVID nineteen lockdown, or as I'm starting to see it, as a uh, elaborate conspiracy by Netflix to make people think that Tiger King is good TV. Uh, so that's. <laughs> everybody's talking about that now. They apparently have nothing better to do. See, that's what we do when we're forced out of jobs and forced to stay home all the time is we start watching Tiger King. Uh, I haven't watched it myself, so I'm just judging it ahead of time, but that's all right. Anyway, uh, my guest joining me uh, via Skype is uh, Dale Niehaus. I probably hey. screwed that up again, even though we just talked about it. Oh, no, that's that's okay, sir. Yeah, Niehaus, you got it actually pretty good right there. That was good. All right. Well, I'm a Smith, so it's it's not. I don't have that many problems pronouncing mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's happening? Tell me a little bit about. Uh, well, where where are you located? First off, that way we know what kind of lockdown you're under. Oh, of course. Uh, I actually live in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. So uh, we're not a statewide lockdown yet, but uh, kind of the essential employees still go to work, and I think I think it's still where. If you have to get out, I think they prefer you to be in your homes by 5 p.m. at the latest or something like that. But, yeah, we're not in complete, complete stake lockdown yet. But I'm kind of waiting to see when that's going to happen. Probably here soon. Probably. Yeah, I think Ohio was uh, we were kind of the front runners in this whole panic thing. So which uh, there, there's there's some uh, there's some necessity to it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's weird things going on out there in this uh uh, apocalypse apparently but anyway uh tell me a little bit about yourself i understand you're an actor correct i got your uh imdb pulled up here somewhere yes um yeah actually it's uh, well can, the acting part's kind of been put on hold because of this whole thing but yeah I actually, right, I'm, right i've been keeping pretty busy um Still, luckily, uh, I'm still able. I still kind of have to work, uh, being an essential worker and, and for the city. But um, yeah, overall, um, acting's been keeping me pretty busy up to this point. Yeah, it it has a way of doing that because I, I I do a little bit myself, and uh, I'm awesome. I'm also one of those lucky essential employees as a uh, uh, HVAC technician, electrician, plumber for uh, medical facilities here in the. Uh, the southern southwestern ohio area so wow yeah we we have to keep going <laughs> yeah of course absolutely which is i mean it's it's a good thing and a lot of people are out of work but uh there are times that with everything that i've used to doing with comedy and with acting and with the radio show and with the comedy club and regular job uh, it'd been kind of nice to take a couple you know a couple months off but <laughs> of course yeah absolutely but I'm not complaining. There's a lot of a lot worse things could happen. 
Yes. But uh, tell, how, how did you get started acting? Is that, Was this a lifelong goal of yours, or is this more recent in development? Um, well, e- even as a kid, um, I grew up as a single child, and, and it, actually, I originally came from Indiana, southern Indiana. And, um, oh, okay. you know, both my parents worked a lot, and, you know, I, I only I started staying home by myself probably 12 but um, I pretty much became a movie buff since before I could walk. And um, I always loved movies. It's always been a thing of mine. And uh, I even started to try to imitate what I saw in film as a kid. And um, I was only in a couple plays, school plays, uh, when I was younger. But I had a big thing of, of stage fright of being in front of people. And um, hmm. even up until the first thing I did as an adult was a local play in Norman in 2016. Uh, I auditioned earlier it was actually november of 2015 and um i had still kind of had a fear of that of speaking in front of people and different things and so to overcome that fear and just because i was like you know i'm tired of you know i might as well just give this a shot i mean what the heck and uh so i i went and auditioned for the lead and i didn't get it because i didn't really have any experience but i did get um a, a you know a smaller role but still had speaking lines so that forced me to be in front of people and talk which um was nerve-wracking going through the rehearsing and then um being up on stage rehearsing but um it honestly once i did it and the, the crowd loved the whole react the whole thing our reactions and everything else that um i fell in love with acting right then on the spot and then starting the end of 2016 i was a background in a, in a local um, film and then from there i just jumped right in and just pursued it head on because I knew that it was what I wanted to do. So you you started out on with live theater on stage. Yes, yes, it was a local uh, community theater, so it was kind of the the production was one night, and it was at a kind of like at a local like college. Um, so, but yeah, I basically started out with live theater <laughs> as an adult, and uh, it um <clears throat> it was actually a lot of fun. And uh, and then the next thing I did was, of course, that was April 2016. And then I was my first film uh, December of 2016. And uh, it just I love doing both. They're both have different aspects, but they're both fun. So, so you still work in live theater occasionally? Occasionally it's been I want to say it's been about a couple years uh, just because of all the film projects I've done. But um, I may look at this next year if there's not a whole lot going on i'll probably look at doing some some more theater because it um it's always a good reminder because i know on film sets obviously you you have that chance to stop if there's a bad line said but i love in theater because it challenges you if you make a mistake you can't stop so you have to keep going and uh plus the the live feedback from the audience is always nice so it's it's a good good to change of pace and a reminder that um even in film, it's sometimes best, or even when the camera's rolling, to just keep going and not stop. Oh, yeah, yeah, you get some good ad-lib stuff doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're on fairly common ground, because I had no theater experience until I, I was 25 years old. It was back in 2001, because, you know, yeah. getting up there. Uh, <laughs> and I walked into audition for a, a play with Dayton Theater Guild. I had never, not even in school, I had never done any live performance. Wow. Just on a whim, I thought, "Hey, this might be fun," and yeah, it's a it's a whole nervous feeling because you're getting up in front of people you don't know, and 
And you had a fear of public speaking or just uncomfortable? Was it an outright fear? Um, it was kind of a mix. I mean, um, even in class in school growing up, um, I hated getting up in front of the class of even 30 people and giving, if I had to like read a uh, paper that I did, I mean, I still did it. So I guess it wasn't like um, downright like phobia. Right. But it wasn't it, a crippling fear, but it was still a fear. Oh, nonetheless. It was, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. I mean, you could tell that my sometimes my speech kind of like stuttered, like not stuttered, but I heart was racing. It was kind of like I was just ready to get out of there. So I guess it was extreme uncomfort, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand <laughs> that. I, I was always the same way. I had to use humor. That was the only way is if I could get some reaction from the people listening. Ah, and that's, there you go. That, that's why when I started performing theater, I started out with a comedy and oh. uh, had a lot of fun. Again, that, that, that was one of those, because community theater, as you know, I mean, everybody pretty much knows everybody. It's usually the same people that right. are auditioning for a lot, of the, a lot of the shows. And I went in ha it, not knowing anyone. No, no experience. Of course, they hand me a sheet and said, just put in your previous acting experience. And I was like, uh, okay. And I handed the sheet back to him, <laughs> said, I've never done anything like this before. And then I walked in, of course it was theater. So I was about 20 minutes earlier. So I had to wait for, you know, everybody to show up about 10 minutes late mm -hmm. and because <laughs> it's theater right. and everybody that came in after me not only knew each other but knew the director on a first name basis oh, and wow. i'm thinking what am i even doing here i don't have a shot and yeah. i i ended up getting cast in uh, multiple roles in that one because the nature of that play it was called epic proportions oh nice and it was uh other than like the two principal actors everybody else played like five or six characters i yeah. think i I think I was cast as seven different characters and the offstage narration. Oh, wow. So it, and it was a lot of fun. It was that same thing where I was terrified. I was terrified before that curtain <laughs> opened. And as soon as it did, I went out and did everything we rehearsed. And it was just getting that energy feedback from the audience was so much fun. Oh, it yeah. was, it, it's like, it's entering a different world for sure. So <laughs> it's really easy to get hooked on it. And I, oh, yeah. that's one thing I, I haven't done live theater th since I think 2009, uh -huh. just because I've been so busy with everything else and live theater, even community theater locally, it takes, it's months of commitment. Yes. And I just, I don't have the time for that. And I, and I miss it. That that's how I ended up getting started in stand up comedy. Oh, okay. As I still wanted to get up on stage, but I didn't have the months to commit to a single play. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and getting into film, I kind of, I started that years ago and did one and then nothing for several years. And then mm -hmm. 2015, I got back into it. So, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's interesting to go from having that fear of public speaking to, uh, being addicted to it <laughs> I, know. I guess it, the way to put it but, yeah so uh which which do you actually prefer the film or the live theater uh let me see i'm i i mean obviously since i've done more of it i prefer the film um 
and I guess in a sense, it's just, I don't know, um, because with film, you, I mean, you do have to have some type of dedication, um, but let's say if you've been cast in December for a film that's not filming until May, you have kind of some more flexibility in between to do either uh, if you have to work a certain job right. or if you have some other productions come up. So you don't necessarily have to do months upon months upon months of preparation. I mean, it does help, but um, usually it doesn't take that long. Um, but yeah, it, it, so, and then with film too, like um, you do have that option that if you forget a line, you can go back and redo it or, or whatever. And, right. um, but, you know, then again with the film, um, it's one of those things too to where, you're sometimes only supposed to be there for three hours and it could be 12. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could be equipment problems. It could be that somebody's late. It could be that the lighting was right. Yeah. So there's different aspects of that. So that's, it has its pros and cons, but I mean, I, I've always loved film sets. Um, but, and then again, in a turnaround, um, you know, like I said, like I was talking live theater, I love it because, you get that immediate reaction and it's allows you to really go all out with a performance unlike film to where, um, you know, sometimes you, you just, cause the camera and mic picks up everything. You just kind of acting, you know, normal sometimes, I guess, if you want to call acting right. normal, but, uh, well, no, I guess it's not really normal. I don't, I don't really know <laughs> if anybody that's an artist or actor or actress or anything else would be, a typical normal person because I think it, it takes takes somebody really you know I don't know weird or just somebody that's that, that to go out there and and do what we do it's definitely not a a normal type of job so um, that is true and it's <laughs> a lot of times it's uh, it doesn't pay off <laughs> no uh, other no. other than the satisfaction to know that you've done it that's that's one of the because I do a lot of work, film work for free. Oh, there, most people do. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, actually, God, I don't know for the first several years, um, for the first two years of acting and I've been doing this for four years. So yeah, I would say for the first two, uh, most stuff I did was free. Um, yeah. and, and I'll still occasionally, you know, there, there's some projects that I've got lined up this year. A lot of like local stuff that's, um, just kind of on the weekend that, um, that's doesn't pay anything. Um, but it's a lot of it's because the, the, um, filmmaker is an up and coming person. And, you know, a lot of times I'll still do passion projects like that because number one, I remember what it was like when I first started and right. working with some local people and two, the, the person that you're working with, um, they end up, they end, might end up being, uh, the next biggest Hollywood filmmaker and and you have a connection with them yes and and yeah. they're going to remember those that helped them when they first started out um, but more than anything it's just because um, I, I know what it's like starting out and trying and struggling and not having money to pay anybody and so I don't mind volunteering my time for you know not every project but just every once in a while finding one that somebody has that's trying to get going and also if it's a good script that i really love then sometimes i'll do that as well right i, I always figure that the uh 
the sets I get paid to be on, I always figure it's something I would have done for free anyway. Mm-hmm. And I th- that's how I have to look at it is, you know, if getting paid for what I love doing that I would probably be doing if I wasn't getting paid to me is just a little bonus. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah, and and the rarity of getting paid for them is, uh, you know, that that's that makes it extra special. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think one of my I, I haven't been a lot on, on a lot of the big professional shoots. Most of my stuff has been independent filmmaking and that. That's the stuff I love. I call it, uh, there, there's a filmmaker I work with a lot that I, I, I call him a guerrilla filmmaker because he's the yeah. kind of guy that will take a, uh, well, for an example, he'll take an iPhone and a very limited cast and he will run through a public place, uh, say a local hospital, and get some film footage <laughs> without any permission at all oh. that actually makes it into a movie that has been distributed uh, internationally now. <laughs> so wow. it's stuff like that that I think that's that's crazy, but it works. And that's yeah. that that kind of guerrilla filmmaking is it just is so much fun to me, and the the flexibility that you have to have. Yes, is that uh, that particular film I was talking about. Uh, that actually, it only recently got pulled out of Redbox. It was in Redbox for almost two and a half years. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it, it's it's actually, I believe it's going to be re-released uh, soon by a different company as well. But it's been, that's one of those weird ones that really blew up. And there actually oh. is footage uh, running through a hospital filmed on an iPhone. <laughs> wow, that's pretty Which, cool. Yeah, everything's blurred out so you can't tell where exactly it is but it's like yep that was that was done randomly and this this is also a set where i showed up one day and we had uh we we lost our we lost our location because there was a guy passed out inside that was supposed to let us in that didn't let us in so we scrambled for two hours to find a new location still finish the day on time with as much footage as we wanted anyway hey that's all right yeah, that's the flexibility of it. That was also a role that I was not originally cast in, too, that I stepped in when somebody backed out. Yep. So, yeah, it's fun stuff like that. That uh, if with independent film, especially if you're not if you're not ready to roll with the punches and make adjustments on the fly, you're never going to get it accomplished. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. There's there's been times where um, we got to the film location. Um, or wherever we were meeting up beforehand, because some of the stuff was filmed outside, and we had to make adjustments on the fly, either um, whether or if an actor, an actress, or a film crew member didn't show up, and yeah. either we were waiting, or there had to be an adjustment to, say, get a hold of somebody else who could do it on the spot. Um, but there was one time we were doing a, a local independent film, and we had some stuff to shoot outside, but... Um, it ended up raining and so we had to change the scheduling around uh to do the next day shoot which was all inside all that day because uh that way we wouldn't lose any um any time filming uh and of course that required getting hold of the the location the the places that we were going to film at and luckily it worked out to where we were able to, to still do the majority of those inside shoots that their day earlier um but yeah uh, on the fly flexibility adjusting yeah it's it's definitely one of those jobs that it 
financially isn't always rewarding, but um, for what you're doing and you love is is the reward itself. Because I'll tell you what, if 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 only reason I was doing this was for the money to begin with, I would have quit four years ago. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah, so, yep. You'd have done one and said, "Ain't no future in this." <laughs> exactly. And I've had people, you know, uh, I've had you know, I've had people that I know that have told me that um you'll never make anything with this because i mean actors don't make a living at it and if i would have listened to them i, I would have quit um every time right. and and there's times in these four years that i've had which all actors i feel like do this that they've had moments to where several moments where they're like you know i don't know if i want to keep doing this it's just getting to me and I've always found this true and I've been told this that usually when you're at the moment where you think you're thinking about just throwing it all in right then and there after that is when something happens. And what's funny is I've had a couple of those times and the one time that I remember specifically that I almost threw in the towel is when there was an, uh, a casting call for a, um, a pilot series that I actually got cast in, um, which is still filming. They kind of had to take a break because of all this, but, um, right. It's going to be, it's got followings in Europe. It's, uh, going to get distributed on DVD and one of the um, platforms. And, uh, I honestly, if I would have listened to my, um, my fear at the time or others, then I would have quit before I had that chance. So yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing that the fact that those of us that truly love this never truly give up, even if it gets hard. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I was being interviewed uh, several months ago by another uh, radio show, and that that's one of the things they had asked me is, "What is your goal with this in five or ten years?" And to me, really, as far as what I'm doing, both with the radio show, with comedy, with acting, with all that, if I'm doing the same exact same same exact thing five years from now that I'm doing now with all of it. I'll consider that a win because I love doing it. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't have some huge financial goal I'm looking for out of this stuff that I'm doing right now. I just love doing it. And exactly. I guess eventually hoping that something might happen, but you know, even if it doesn't and I'm still able to continue doing what I'm doing, that's good for me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I, I think with acting, that's kind of with an acting career, that's kind of the stance you have to have on it because it's it's so random that you make it. Yeah, exactly. And um, just even these times have slowed down. I've networked with filmmakers um, um, out in Vegas uh, who, you know, and other ones that that have some projects coming up um, one later this year, which um he'd already cast for, but all because I, I, I stepped out and networked with him, showed some support and basically showed him that I wasn't all about trying to kiss his ass, uh, pardon my French, um, or that I wasn't just all about trying to, you know, get to know him just to try to get a role in his film, but actually was being very supportive. He is now looking at casting me in some future projects all just because I earned his respect. And so you never know, when you talk to somebody of uh, just being a general human being and just having a general outlook life, what, what could happen. And, um, but yeah, you, I honestly, if, if anything else, if I still am doing what I love five years from now, I mean, it'd be nice to be getting paid a lot more, but, um, right. 
but even if I'm still just doing acting like I am now, I'll, I'll still be happy as a, as a clam because I'm doing what I love. Absolutely. Well, uh, well, let's let's talk about some of the roles that you that you've portrayed in film. What what's sure. a, what are some of your favorite ones that you've done? Oh, let me see. I mean, um, I know that's that's always a hard question to pick a favorite out of several things that you really enjoyed being a part of. I know I always have trouble with that as well, but yeah. Um, let me see here. Cause there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them I've done that have been good. Um, uh, there's, well, the, the one I was talking about, um, the role, I can't mention what I did because I signed a non-disclosure agreement right. um, and it's a spoiler, but the, the series I was talking about, it's, uh, called hunting Jessica. And, um, you know, on that, it's like a supernatural series, um, kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of along the same lines of true blood and, um, okay. you know, the, the character I got to play, I really love playing, um, just because it allowed me to really kind of explore other areas and to, it was just a fun one to play with. Um, but you know, that was a fun one and I've had a few others that was good. There's, uh, there was a local, um, what was it? I did a, a, a film back in 2017, uh, and it was a, um, it was uh, one of the, for, you know, I don't know if you ever participated in like the, the 48 hour film projects that they have all over the country. Uh, uh, no, I, I haven't. I was, I was scheduled to do once and that one and the team fell apart and I didn't get to. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if you ever get a chance to, um, after all this is done, it's, it's, it's fun. Um, because which, I mean, do you, did you kind of understand the basics behind it? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, this one was, uh, I think in Louisville was where this one was. Okay. So, so you know that like they get the idea on a Friday night or whatever, and then yeah. they get the, basically what they need to film. They write the script, they film it and they edit it and turn it in. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it was fun. Um, I participated in what the last three years, uh, 2017, 2019. Yeah. Um, 2017 was was a fun one and for it was also very frustrating for different reasons uh i was one in oklahoma uh and i was part of a team and that one the the two directors um kind of got um busy and kind of forgot the the dates of it so they had other stuff planned so they were only be able to be there for filming part of it so me and another actor he had also done some filmmaking had um he had pretty much operated the camera and also had um done quite a bit of other stuff and then i helped set up stuff and also operate the boom uh but in that one um i played a cop that um ended up kind of went to a flashback scene and but he ended up getting shot and there was a scene at the end when i was doing a monologue and i I basically got myself emotionally worked up to where I was able to actually cry on cue and just about what I was losing my family and everything else. And, and so that one was fun just because of that, just because I had to mentally imagine like if I were actually dying and losing my kids and everything else. And it was just a good mentally emotional role. Um, right. You had that. to dig for something deeper on that. 
Yes. And believe it or not, people do not realize just how hard that is to do. Um, I can't, I can't cry on cue all the time. Um, but to be able to actually, to dwell up some emotions to make something seem realistic is challenging, but it's also rewarding just because of how much you feel it in the moment. And when people see that on camera that, oh my God, this guy is going through some really bad stuff. Yeah. It, it definitely can touch a few heartstrings. Oh yeah. And it, after you do that and you reach that, it lingers with you for a bit too. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, it does very much so. <laughs> is that, I, I haven't, I haven't done that in film a lot, but in comedy this, this past year, I had a lot of really uh, messed up things that I was going through and I brought that on stage with me. Yeah. And for comedy to try to find a release of everything I was going through. And there, there were moments on stage when by the time I got off, I mean, I was shaking so bad that, you know, it took me an hour to calm back down after the things I mean, and the odd thing was, is that, I mean, my stage presence and energy was through the roof and it, <laughs> it worked well for comedy, but, uh, it left me in a, in a pretty bad mental state by the time I got off stage. But, uh, okay. yeah, it's, uh, it's an yeah. interesting thing to bring that kind of energy into any role or anything that you're doing like that. Yeah. Hey, have you got to play many bad guys? Um, I've started to, um, but that's, that's kind of the, the, what's funny is I used to have hair surprisingly. Um, I, I don't anymore. Uh, and that's by choice. Um, because I didn't, I didn't go completely bald on top. I started getting parts that was receding in the front and on top. And I'm like, the way my hair was growing out, I'm like, I just don't like this anymore. So I decided back this was back in 2018 sometime. I decided to shave my head. And once I did that, um, it, people loved it. They just like, I really, you got a good look. And once I shaved my head and kept the facial hair, um, people were just like, Oh my God, I started getting more roles cast as bad guys. Um, not, not at first. I mean, I've been told a lot of times that, um, yeah, you make a good gangster, mobster, whatever. And I'm like, well, cast me in the role. Um, so they haven't, but before then I was always cast as the dad next door or the, the, you know, the lovable male husband or whatever else, which I still don't mind playing. But honestly, I've found, um, when I do get to play a bad guy, it's so much fun. It is. is. (laughs) I didn't realize how much being a bad guy or an evil person or, or just a, you know, a pain in the butt, would be um and it's because i'm not normally that person and i get to actually act out frustrations or be somebody else on stage and it's god it's so much a blast being a and and of course in the wrestling world the term heel you know it's just kind of fun being that you know oh yeah because you you get to release a part of yourself that you normally try to keep checked in public (laughs) (laughs) exactly one of one of my favorite roles in in theater was I got to play Owen Musser in The Foreigner. Oh, and I don't know if you're familiar with that one. And Owen was a uh, just just a horrid individual. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he was he was uh, he was one of the guy. He he was a Klan member. He was a mm-hmm. racist. He was a total piece of crap. But 
as much uh, for for all that he was so much fun to play because I've never been able to silence an audience like that. Wow. And the one of my favorite moments, there was one night in particular that I was really, it, it's one of those where, where you kind of go deep into, into the character. And I, uh, I almost pushed somebody over the back of a couch. Oh, wow. Cause I, and the, the scene, everybody's laughing at, cause they're all kind of poking fun at Owen. And then all of a sudden he blows up. Oh. And that crowd went from just hysterical laughter to dead silence in about three seconds. And wow. it was that that was one of those. It was such a weird, surreal moment on stage to be able to be the one that caused that. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a challenging character. But at the same time, it was it was a lot of fun playing that being that big of a jerk. <laughs> Oh, wow. I bet. I bet it was. I I remember I I got off stage. I went backstage for the intermission and uh, the the actor, because this happened right before intermission, and the actor that I bumped into on the way off, he's like, did I make you mad or something? I said, no, why? He's like, well, I just thought you you were really angry. I was like, no, I was was acting. That's what I was supposed to be, wasn't it? (laughs) But yeah, so so much fun playing that part. But uh, pl- playing a bad guy in general, just there's there's a lot of uh, I don't know. It's a little bit therapeutic at times. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it it is. It is like there was a time I played a, a role, and this was when I first started out, and it wasn't like a necessarily a bad guy, but it was just kind of like a it, it, you know it was kind of one of those that kind of like stole the the other guy's girl or whatever, and um and that was kind of like a friend of mine wanted to make uh had always grew up watching ed wood and he wanted to make some type of like really ed wood type of film that's supposed to be about on purpose and um well in that you know i played a guy that kind of came under the scene and ended up stealing the leads girl or whatever which you know he ended up getting somebody better in the end so it worked out but um but yeah there was a guy that was watching he's like yeah you know what he's like you did a great job because watching you act that role out i really wanted to hate you oh uh, yeah I was like, hey, I'll take that as a compliment, you know, because you're like, yeah, you were stealing his grill and acting like a total, you know, like douche, basically, he said. And uh, yeah. he's like, but now I got to know you in person for real and you aren't even that. I'm like, hell, I was like, I appreciate that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, the uh, the theater where I did the, the Foreigner at the end, at, at the end of every night, we'd go out and greet the audience as they were leaving. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there, there were several people that just walked right past me there there was one there's one little old lady she was so cute she went by and shook everybody's hand told them what a great job she did she looked right at me and she just said you're mean and turned around and left and i was like i was acting (laughs) but at at the same time it was funny that they you know i guess they didn't weren't able to disconnect the two which i guess is dangerous of playing a bad guy really well (laughs) oh Oh, yeah. I know actors that have gotten and it's sad to hear, but I mean, and I have gotten death threats from people that couldn't discern. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I guess in a way that's a compliment because of the fact they did such a good job playing that bad guy that somebody actually thought that's who they really were. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, Doyle Hargraves on uh, the uh, on Sling Blade it was played by Dwight Yoakam. Yeah. 
who is not that person at all, but he played no. such a he played such a good jerk in that, and you know because Doyle oh, was not a good person. Oh, but no. yeah, he 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 lost a lot of fans because of that. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's and that, and that's the one thing that I that people sometimes don't realize um, that. It's just an acting role, yeah, because Dwight is nothing like that. But, yeah, his role in that, I even, after I watched that, I'm just like, I can't look at him for a while. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't yeah, anything. Yeah, that's such a great job in that, though. I was so impressed with his, his acting ability. Oh, my God. I didn't realize up until that point, because I think, was that his first role that he was in acting? I think that was one of his first big roles. Yeah. Because I remembered he was in like you know Wedding Crashers and he was in a few others as well and uh, yeah I was amazed with Dwight's acting and then another actor oh my God I cannot remember his name um, in uh, Dolores Claiborne uh, the 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 father that was abusive to Dolores um, God what was his name he was also in the River Wild um, he was in a few others but. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 dad and the father that was really abusive, really an a hole. Um, after I watched that one, I couldn't watch. I couldn't like watch it for a little bit just because of how well he did in that. So it um, it's amazing how well a performance somebody gives, and sometimes how much of an impression they can leave on you. And it's just amazing when they've done that well of a performance that. You generally are like, I don't know if I can watch that person for a while just because of how bad they, you know, not bad, but how evil they came out, you know? Yeah, that's that's true. Well, we're going to have to take a real quick break. I'm going to play a song uh, in make-believe land since we're recording this to put out later and it's not going live. But we're going to pretend that we're going to play a song. Not sure what it's going to be, but it's going to be great. I'm really just going to go get some coffee. And we <laughs> we will be back here shortly uh, with with more Dale Niehaus and uh, some news stories that we have to cover. Excellent. All right, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Well, other than the abscess and acting, abnormal vision, Insomnia and abdominal distress Convulsions, vomiting, tongue ulceration Hallucinations and dizziness Anorexia, weight gain, depression and euphoria Flatulence and cardiovascular collapse Chest pains and wheezing, sweating and seizures Urinary discoloration At least I'm not sneezing I took my allergy pill Ha 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 You ever been in a cockpit before? No sir, I've never been up in a plane before you ever seen a grown man naked? All right. Hey, welcome back to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host, Don Smith. We are uh, we are pressing on. We are talking with actor uh, Dale Niehaus. Uh, j- joining me via Skype because, you know, nobody can get together anymore in person. This is uh, the world we live in now. 
Exactly. exactly. But enough of that. Enough of that <laughs> depressing news because we have other news that we have to <laughs> that we have to get to. Now these these are news stories that I have not uh, I have not uh, vetted ahead of time. This is uh, oh. my first time looking at them. And see, a lot of times when I do the real show live, I'll uh, up. I should probably have turned those down. Let me. <laughs> Oops. That's all right. That's all right. It'll we'll uh, we'll ign- that never happened. We'll ignore that. Nothing ever goes awry here on the Life Radio Show. Uh, no, usually I have some of these news stories picked out ahead of time, even though I don't really get too much into them. But these ones that I've been doing lately, just picking them off the Internet as we go through. So here we go. Being stuck at home didn't stop a British man from running an outdoor marathon. Uh, James Campbell, a former professional javelin thrower, uh, spent his 32nd birthday on Wednesday doing six-meter shuttles from one end of his small backyard to the other after promising to run a marathon if one of his Twitter messages received 10,000 retweets. By the time Campbell completed the marathon in just over five hours, he had raised more than 18,000 pounds, about $22,000, for Britain's National Health Service to help battle the coronavirus pandemic. Well, so that's good news. That's Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's a good thing to do if you're going to be stuck at home, uh, run around in your backyard. That's really good. That's a wow. And the fact that he didn't have to do that with all this going on, but he still, because he promised he would, he went out and found a way around it and raised quite a bit of money. Well, I commend that dude right there. Yeah. That is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, that's a good use of your quarantine time right yeah. there. I don't, uh, I mean, doing this show is the only thing I'm doing in quarantine, and that's probably not a great use of time. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Whatever. <laughs> but it's entertaining, I guess, you know, for yeah, me exactly. anyway. But we'll, we'll go from that story into one of uh, just a tragic disaster. No. Uh, I'm going to try to stop this thing from playing so it doesn't keep putting sound out over here that I don't want to. Nope, it did it anyway. It didn't do this yesterday. I don't know what's going on here. Anyway, a tractor trailer hauling toilet paper crashed and caught fire near Dallas early Wednesday, spilling the hot commodity all over an interstate. Uh, The fire shut down westbound lanes of Interstate 20 near Interstate 45 in Hutchins, the Texas Department of Transportation said. The driver of the truck is okay. Uh, The toilet paper appeared to be large rolls typically used in stores, restaurants, and other businesses. Texas uh, Department of Transportation officials officials said the load of toilet paper burned extensively, according to Dallas TV station WFAA. Uh, That's that's a tragedy right there. Oh, my God. yeah, because that's in short supply nowadays. So oh, we have, yeah, that is. that That is, for a lot of people that have been trouble getting their hands on it, that's really a, a sad story right there because, yeah. wow. Yeah, and this is industrial, industrial-sized toilet paper, too. Oh. So that's the big rolls, yeah. So that's. Oh, wow. Yeah, just a lot of it gone in one fell swoop right there. That's just. Because I've actually, somebody told me the other day, somebody had, like, four packs on the. Uh, what was it on on like uh, Facebook, the, whatever the trader oh, thing is on oh, there? My marketplace. Marketplace, yeah. That they were putting like four packs of rolls up there for seventy five dollars. It's like, is this really where we are? <laughs> wow, they're toilet paper on the black market. I'm surprised that it hasn't ended up there too, which I'm sure it has probably. I'm sure oh yeah, I'm I'm sure it has. And here here I'm trying to be nice. I have people that are that are running out and that are asking for some that I'm giving rolls to. So. 
I should be charging premium prices. <laughs> I had a friend reach out to me the other day and said, dude, I'm out of toilet paper. I was like, I got you, man. See, because I'm, I'm not really a prepper, but I live by myself, and I, I have this thing about running out of certain things, so I try yeah. to stay stocked up on a lot of stuff. So, well, I mean, food and toilet paper-wise, I could lock myself in my house for a month and a half to two months and not really be too worried. Right. So when I have somebody that reaches out, because, you know, that that to me, running out of toilet paper is one of the worst things. Oh, it is. Oh, my God. I mean, because I'm sorry, but I don't feel like using hand receipts unless right. it's a last resort, because I can't imagine the paper cuts you'd probably get from that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, you run out of socks pretty quick, too. That's another, another <laughs> thing I've heard people using their socks. It's like, yeah, that's just nasty. <laughs> Because I don't care how, how I don't care how much you wash a sock afterward. I am not going to want to put that on my feet again. No, I have my thing. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to put that on my feet either, man. Yeah. Although you can buy the uh, you can buy the packages of socks uh, for a, apparently less than you can buy a four pack of toilet paper nowadays, but uh, oh on the black market. But no, I, I I every now and then I'll have a friend that runs out and I'll dig into my stores for some. Well, you're a nice guy, man. You gotta try. You gotta try to help people out through these yeah. things, you know, because it's a uh, it's a tragedy for all of us right now. It is. It is sadly, but yeah, it is a tragedy. Yeah, yeah but we're all in it together. Don't charge seventy five bucks for four rolls of toilet paper. That makes you a predator and a creep. Exactly. Exactly. All right. We're <laughs> now, now that I've judged people. <laughs> 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 oh, see, there's so that's that's the thing. Every news story, even the fun ones, are just like all about toilet paper these days. I know, I know. It's like that's the news nowadays. Like, who's got toilet paper? Who doesn't? Who's still yeah. on the black market? Who's being a generous person? Who yeah. got thrown in jail for stealing toilet paper from a gas station? I mean, it can be anything. <laughs> a man in Florida has poked fun at the toilet paper frenzy that has gripped the nation in response to the coronavirus, uh, WFLA reported. Uh, Donald Ryan, owner of the arts and crafts business, who would wonder, uh, hung a replica roll between two trees in his front yard. I had the pulleys in the trees all along because I do Christmas decorations up there and Halloween and Easter and all kinds of things. So I put it to use, Ryan said. I think the whole idea is crazy, the toilet paper phenomenon. Uh, he built a replica. He built the replica himself, then painted the name of the, his business on the paper. And this is a giant roll of fake toilet paper hanging between two trees in his front yard. There is a picture on there if you want to. This is on foxnews.com. Uh, Florida man hangs giant toilet paper roll in front yard. Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, at least there's some people having fun with it, you know. And yeah. that's, what, that's what we have to do. We have to try to try to have some kind of fun in all this. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's not hurting anybody. And, I mean, I'm sure he's got people's attention with his business that way. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a good way to advertise. And, you know. well, yeah, exactly. Let's see what else we got here. There's uh, there's got it. There's got to be other news. Where are we at here? Oh, I'm sure there is. Okay, here here's one in Ohio. We'll do an Ohio story since I just hey, made fun of Florida. We'll do an Ohio story. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, police in Ohio said they were investigating a reported robbery at a home when they uh, made an unexpected discovery: an alligator in a closet. Uh, Columbus police said they were called to the east side home about 3.45 p.m. Sunday on a report of a gun being pulled during an argument 
over oh, wow. the return of an Xbox gaming console. Oh, my God. Uh, the department said officers were collecting evidence and conducting interviews at the home when they found the alligator in the closet. Uh, the Ohio Department of Agriculture was called in to take custody of the two-year-old animal. Investigators said it's legal to own an alligator in Ohio with proper paperwork and permits, but the home's resident did not have the required paperwork. Imagine that. Imagine. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, that, you know, I, I mean, wow. Yeah, imagine them not having the proper paperwork with an alligator in the closet. Um, yeah, I well, can't imagine that. And not having the proper paperwork when they're also fighting over a, uh, they're, they're also guns are involved fighting over <laughs> Xbox. Oh, <laughs> wow, that's an interesting story right there. Well. You know, I'm really surprised in the uh, the claws of the alligator didn't have like you know a, a mongoose or uh, a, a komodo dragon or something. You know, just just without it. Wow. Um, well, interesting, interesting. Well, I'm sure they misplaced the paperwork somewhere. I mean, you gotta gotta believe they probably had it somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah, right. Um, oh yeah, I'm I'm hoping they knew that there was an alligator in their closet. Well, I'm hoping they didn't also catch the homeowner by surprise. Uh, yeah, because I mean that probably would about made me jump through the roof if I would have found uh, didn't know there was an alligator in the closet. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you were in Florida, that you know it wouldn't be that unusual, you know. No. But in Ohio, not yeah. a lot of random alligators lurking in closets. Well, I don't know. With the coronavirus going on, a lot of people trying to leave their home states. I mean, there could be an alligator that said, you know, I'm going to get out of Florida while I can. But yeah, I don't see that even happening too. Yeah, yeah, the, the alligator came all the way up to Ohio just because they heard that the, our governor was doing everything he could to combat the coronavirus. So he wanted to live in a state where they were really, really trying to stop it because that's that's one smart alligator right there. Well, he is. He's smart. Maybe he'll run for Congress soon. You never know. No, no, no. That that wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have much high respect for him. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't want to get into politics. But. Yeah, the the alligator or Mike Dewine. <laughs> yeah. I think Governor DeWine at one time was in Congress, and he couldn't make it there. <laughs> oh, oh I, no, I've never I been a fan not. of his, but I, I will say that his his response to this has been uh, has been surprisingly uh, good leadership well, that, for him, because I would not expect it. <laughs> no, and that that's good that he did. It really is. You know, better than some. Um, some out there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, let's see. A Canadian man is seeking federal approval for his Guinness World Records goal, flying a kite at, to a height of 20,000 feet. Adil Karame, a Canadian resident originally from Lebanon, said he wants to break the Guinness World Record for highest kite flight, which is set in 2014 by Australian man Robert Moore when he flew his kite to the height of 16,009 feet. Uh, Karame of uh, Vernon, British Columbia, said he had been planning the attempt to attempt his feat at the Cow Lake Lookout this year, but he has thus far been unable to receive government approval. Uh, so the government, the Canadian government, is refusing to tell him to go fly a kite. Apparently, <laughs> uh, which he can't fly. I mean, that's that's impressive that he flew it. That so he he's trying to get approval to do it. Yeah, I guess he has to get the approval from like the whatever the the Canadian version of the FAA is, you know, and to get up to the height of twenty thousand feet. And they won't because of this whole thing going on. 
I don't know. I would think it, I I wouldn't think that flying a kite would be a way to spread coronavirus. But I, I mean, don't that's know. still that's definitely keeps apart from the six foot roll. So yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm yeah, hoping that he gets the approval because uh, why not? I mean, if you can't fly a kite and, and with this thing going on, I mean, that's just a shame right there. Absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, yeah, that's that's terrible. That's terrible. We we should we should sign a petition to the Canadian government to make sure that this man's able <laughs> to do this. Everybody sign the petition that this man can fly his kite out there and get the record and do you know? Because I think if you know. Like, you know, you should be able to fly his kite whenever he wants during this, you know, I mean, do what you want to do for fun, you know, because you're not, you're not breaking the rule. You're not being around a bunch of people. And that's, that's some isolation stuff right there. You can do that by yourself. So yeah, I think this man definitely should be able to do that. All right. Well, you, you heard it, you heard it here on the life radio show. Uh, we're going to start <laughs> working. We're going to contact the Canadian government to make sure that this man's able to go fly a kite. There you go. Uh, <laughs> No, oh, back, back to Ohio again. An Ohio man unable to visit his mother's nursing home due to coronavirus lockdown used a tree-trimming bucket truck to visit her third-floor window. Wow. Charlie Adams, owner of Adams Tree Preservation in Youngstown, said he wanted to visit his mother, uh, Julie, who's 80 years old, at uh, Windsor Estates Assisted Living in New Middletown. But the facility is on lockdown due to COVID-19 pandemic, with no visitors allowed inside and no residents allowed to leave. Adam said he received permission from the home to bring his tree-trimming bucket truck to the building and lift himself up to his mother, mother's third-floor window. I pulled up the truck, set up the bucket, and called her on the phone, and I said, Mom, look outside. <laughs> and, and there I was. Well, that's sweet. You know, did, just doing what he can to look after his mom. That, now, that's, that's cute right there. Now, that right there is a good sign. He went out of his way, brought his tree-trimming uh, tree bucket out there so he could actually talk on the phone and actually visually see his mother. Now that right there is a really sweet story. I, I commend that guy right there for that. Absolutely. Cause I mean, a lot of people won't visit their parents and nursing homes when they're able to. I know exactly. And it's like, this, this guy, guy goes way. out his yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good, good for him. Good for you, Charlie Adams. Uh, if the life offered any kind of awards, you'd get it. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, incidentally, I did come up with a title for the show. Usually the title of the show just happens organically. Uh, this one is called The Alligator in the Closet. Wow. Just, just because, just because. But uh, we're. <laughs> I think that's our last news story. We're going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to give you a chance now to talk about anything you have, any uh, projects you have coming up, any uh, films or projects yeah. that you want to promote, as well as a chance to put your social media out there in ways that people can get a hold of you. Sure. So. Take it away, Dale. All right. Well, there are some projects that are coming up. Um, one of which, which I mentioned earlier in the show, which I've already filmed my scenes, but they're still filming uh, at the pilot season one for uh, a series called Hunting Jessica. It's a um, supernatural series, kind of, I think the fans of True Blood will get a kick out of it. Uh, it's being produced by um, Ramon, R-A-M-A-N, Martin Film Productions. So be looking on the lookout for that this coming fall, DVD, streaming services. Um, there's a fan film that I recently got cast in, which will start shooting later this, probably closer to summer, called Freddy vs. Jason Dreamscape. Uh, nice. It's going to be, yeah, it's gonna, it's, a, it's a tribute to the both series. And it kind of, 
this one is a fan film that takes place when they're both still in hell and then they come back. So it, it'll, uh, it'll be a really fun one. And then there's a, a, um, religious film that I got cast in as a lead that will be beginning production August of this year. It's called faith restored. It's, um, it's on IMDb and it's all about a man who loses his faith and goes through some, um, goes through like, um, almost, a a um, regaining of it um, uh, hmm. going back to the first Easter. And so it ought to be a, a really good one as well. Um, so those are the, the big ones in the works right now. Um, there are some uh, smaller ones that are, um, that I'm going to be in that are more of like the local independent um, just as important. Uh, and then there's, um, there's a couple other ones that are up in the air, but uh, hopefully if things work out um, after this is over, that, um, they will still be in production and hopefully I'll, uh, they'll, uh, they'll come out this next year, hopefully. So, um, so yeah, those are the big ones in the works right now. Uh, and then to, um, what was I going to say my social media, um, I'm, I'm basically on Instagram and Facebook most of the time. Um, I don't really, I haven't really got on Twitter much yet. I just, I haven't really found the the time to get on there as much, but, um, and, and then on my IMDb, um, on Facebook, um, I'm just Dale Amy house. Uh, and on there, it shows my profile picture. Um, basically I'm wearing a trench coat and have a cane up against a, a column. Um, that was one of my modeling pictures. And then, um, and then on, on Instagram, my tagline is the motto I live by and it's helping others is the greatest. And, uh, so that's where you'd find me in those. And then on IMDB, um, it's just Dale, a Niehaus, And that's where you can find all the films that, uh, I've, uh, that are listed on IMDB that I've been a part of. And there's even some projects that I didn't name some local ones that, um, it shows on me on there. And, uh, so feel free to go on there and check it out. And uh, on Facebook, feel free to come on there and, and check out my page. And, uh, and then, yeah, uh, that's where you can find me at. All right. Well, thanks for calling. Thanks for Skype, Skyping in, I guess. Skyping in yeah. is how, how the kids are saying it. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for talking to me on the show. It's, it's been great getting to know you. It's been a lot of fun. And yes. uh, good luck in everything. I hope uh, I hope your acting career just takes off, just goes well, through the roof, as, as I do uh, everybody that's working in this field, because there's so many good, talented people out there. And it's it, it's a, it can be very rewarding and very difficult at the same time. <laughs> Yes, yes, it can. And uh, yeah, it was very much a, a wonder, wonderful experience being on your show. And I hope that your your after this is over with your acting can start back up again and your comedy acts can, too. And uh, I look forward to seeing how you progress as well. All right. Thank you very much. And thanks, everybody, for listening to the Life Radio Show. We'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and go back and listen to some of the previous episodes. There are three hundred and fifty two now, I think. So uh there's, if you're stuck in a coronavirus lockdown right now, what else are you going to do? There are 360-some hours of the Life Radio Show available for you to listen to. So uh, knock yourselves out. And don't forget to leave a review and tell me what you think. Or, uh, or you know, be kind. You know? <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling in, Dale. Uh, we'll you. catch everybody later on.
Thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show podcast. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, if you want to listen live, we are on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM. You can also stream the show live at WWSU1069.org, and we go Facebook Live at the Life Radio Show's Facebook page. If you have suggestions or comments, feel free to email thelife1069 at gmail.com. Overwhelms me. A brutal presence. Dude, I'm out of toilet paper.